welcome back. I'm Tracy Ramos and this is my podcast, Booze Nation. My guest today is Chris Green, one of the sweetest and hardest working bartenders out there and who bartended during the pandemic with the exception of the lockdowns. And I met Chris when we both worked at the Hotel Utah Saloon and Chris was barbacking and bartending and was so eager to learn how to make drinks and make them properly and learn how to be behind the bar, which I found so endearing because I was not like that at all when I started bartending. (laughs) And like I said, I thought Chris was such a hard worker and had a real drive for the craft. And I was right, because now Chris is a bar manager at a bar in the city, the Royale. And here is our interview. Um, So did you work last night? I did. Yeah, I worked at Rye last night. It was our, um, technically my second shift working opening because I worked on Tuesday when it was like the full mask off celebration and then um, my coworkers first time doing it. And it was hard. <laughs> it's definitely a little harder than I thought it was going to be just because we're trying a new format with like um, having a server, which is mm. kind of hard because of just, you've been to Rye before, yeah. right? Yeah, so just having those two separate spaces and the level of the quality of cocktails, it's, you know, everything has about five ingredients to it. So it's pretty intense to be one bartender and then one server there versus having people order at the bar, which is what we used to do. But we're still figuring it out. Do you think this is, uh, I mean, is this a new thing like post-COVID or was it something in the works? So it is... Uh, post COVID we're trying it out because my manager over there thinks that people aren't going to be as comfortable being maskless and coming up to the bar versus being maskless seated and having a server come up and having like being stationary versus moving around the bar, I guess is what I'm trying to say. That kind of makes sense. I see. I, I see that. It'll be interesting if it works out. Uh, yeah. I think just because yesterday was Saturday and it was, pretty crazy not having a designated cocktail server or having a designated bartender was you know we're we're getting our sea legs back so it's it's kind of like we're gonna give it another go next week but I think if it's the same as it was this week it might be better to just have two full bartenders and just tell people to order at the bar yeah like we always have or have a designated cocktail server which I'm kind of I think that having a cocktail server is more important if there's food at a place because then they can like work the room versus like if you're at just a bar I'd want to go up and order with the bartender personally so so do I I agree um and people it's hard to retrain people sometimes yeah it it can be yeah and retraining ourselves right we haven't done it in so long or you know I've I've been working pretty much the whole pandemic, but we had to reformat into doing like a bottle shop situation at Rye. And so that was uh, interesting because I went from being a bartender working with people to being someone who was doing retail, which I've never done in my life before. So that was. How did people respond to the retail aspect of it? I think people were just stoked to have a cocktail. I think that people were just really excited to be able to go somewhere and talk to someone else who they don't live with and get a cocktail for themselves. You know, I, 
I'm glad that I got to have that experience just because it really made me appreciate regulars and appreciate, you know, just how much our, our like clientele is like really faithful to this industry and really love and care about us. So that was really great to experience that. Yeah, that's really good. So how long did Rye do a bottle service or retail service? I should say more than. So we did pretty much two weeks after COVID, we saw that the wine bar next door to us had reformatted into a bottle shop like to go. And my manager was like, let's do it. Let's go. And I was like, okay, like I'm here to work. Cause I live in the neighborhood or at the time I was, you know, staying over on Eddie and Larkin. So I was like, I'm already in the neighborhood. I will, I want to do things that are not in my studio apartment <laughs> in the heart of the teal. <laughs> um, so I was there uh, three days a week until, until things started lifting up as far as like, okay, you can have people sit outside. Then we had, cause Rye has the cage. So we were doing the cage and then uh, having people sit in there socially distanced. And then they were like, Oh, 25% inside. And we moved to that. But throughout that whole time, we kept doing the bottled cocktails, which I wasn't a fan of because I wanted to bartend, but you know, we just had it in that format and it was just easier to just stay doing it that way until fully opening up and redoing our whole menu and like having a staff meeting, you know, all those things. So now we're live and we're doing, doing the thing. That's, <laughs> that is, that's fantastic. I'm so happy Rye made it because so many other places just didn't make yeah. it at all. And yeah, so pre, pre-COVID, how many bars were you working in? I was at three. I was at uh, Wild Hawk, Rye, and the Little Shamrock. The Little Shamrock, which is by me. And yesterday I was just, you know, walking through my neighborhood and I saw a bunch of people out in front of the Little Shamrock. Yeah. So that was really good to see. It was their first day back, I think. I'm pretty sure that that's, they haven't hit me back up, but I'm like, I, since I took the managing position, I'm like, I, would love to work a shift there, but I just don't have the time. But because it's kind of a not, a, I don't want to say a commute, but it's not as close as yeah other bars. Well, it's a little further out. The bike ride is really nice over, and I love that neighborhood. It is just a little bit more of a commute for me versus you know the two other bartenders, well Bob and and uh, Kenny who live literally right down the street from there. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, that makes sense. You guys can just do your thing. So it seems like all or the three bars that you were working in survived, like mm-hmm. Little Shamrock survived, Wild Hawk survived, and Rye survived, yes. which mm-hmm. is re- again a really great thing because yeah, that's a feat in itself right there. So you're now at Rye, and you are at the Royale. And how long have you been? How long have you been there? I have been there for six months now. Sweet, about. yeah. What is, you know what? I can't place that bar. I don't think I've been. It's so strange because it's one block up from, uh, from Rye on the corner. So it's, if you go up one block and then it's kitty corner from the side that Rye is on. I can, yeah. And I live right across the street from it, which is crazy. I know exactly. I know where you're talking about and that's why I just, I can't place it, but that's fine. Cause it's just another reason for me to go, go in. Yeah. We do like live jazz and, you know, have a pool table and 
it's pretty cool. I redid the whole cocktail menu. So we have some cool cocktails on there. Nothing like super fancy, but you know, some like riffs off classics and some funny wordplay stuff, which is really cool. It was nice to be able to do that. Because now at the Royal Royale, you are a bar manager. I am. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, it it happened really fast. Yeah, I started. So he was the first person, or I was the first person he hired back. One of the owners, um, his name's Will, uh, and we hit it off. So I was kind of looking to replace Wild Hawk. I had been there for a long time. I wanted just some change of pace, change of neighborhood. And I wanted somewhere where I could take on more of a, like, take on more responsibility. And I wanted to have control of the menu. And there, it just, there were other people who were senior to me. So I was like, this isn't going to happen for me here. So let me find some place that I can potentially go up and, um, you know, become a bar manager or bar lead or whatever. Will and I met and we talked for probably like two hours. (laughs) we just like hung out and, you know, we're talking about all the bars that shut down, all the bars that we've worked at throughout the city. And yeah. And then he was like, do you want to work here? And I said, yes. And then within, I want to say within like a month or so, he kind of saw how good I am at my job and was like, yeah, I would totally want to hire you as the bar manager. And well, good. Yeah. Cause you're very good at your job. Yeah. You know, I, I try to be, try to take pride in my work and, make sure that I'm putting out my best foot when it comes to, you know, service as well as drink quality and, you know, making sure everybody's having a good time because it's almost like we're party hosts, but we also have to have cocktail knowledge, you know? Yes, that is very true. (laughs) Um, Backing up a little bit. How long have you been in San Francisco? 11 years this year. Yeah. Yeah. But you're Californian, right? Yeah. I am from uh, South Bay, where it's a town called Milpitas. It's right by San Jose. Not not too far away. And then how, um, so like you're a bartender now, but what other um, industry jobs have you had? So I like to say that I've always been in beverages because (laughs) my first job, I worked at a smoothie shack in the middle of the food court um, at the mall. (laughs) Yes. It was great. It was great. I worked there from the time I was 15 until I was 17 and went off to college to come to San Francisco. I took my first year of college off to kind of like figure or like off from work. So I didn't work my first year of college. Um, And then my second year, my mom was like, okay, I paid for your first year. Now you're on your own. And I was like, okay, cool. I can do this. And I got a job as a I don't even want to call it a barista, but I guess it's a barista. I worked at Phil's Coffee, which is all pour over coffee. So it's very different. I never used like an espresso machine or a steamer or anything like that. We did all like, it was all pour over. I mean, you've been to San Francisco or to Phil's Coffee. Yeah. So I did that for six years um, at the same time uh, that I was working there. I also started working at the Utah as a line cook. And then because uh, the manager definitely needed someone to bar back that night because someone had called out, I was just like, I'll do it. I'll do it. I want to work as a bar back. Let me do it, please. Um, and then history was made and I became a bartender. 
after that. Right. Cause I think like when we met, you were still with at Phil's and definitely bar backing. So you were in that area mm-hmm. or time frame. Right. I yeah, I definitely remember God, bar back you bar backing at the Utah. Yeah. For me, for myself and for like remember um Aaron and I and yeah. you, yeah, we had yeah, some good shows. Saturday night? Yeah, it was yeah. Something like that. I remember that. Yeah, I remember those times. It's crazy. I know. Wherever I go. That seems like so long ago. I guess, you know, poor uh, uh, Utah, you know, RIP. They didn't make it. Kind of crazy. I mean, it turns out I live on top of Laura, who used to work at, you remember Laura? Who used to work at the Utah? The Laura that works at uh, Specs. Yeah, yeah. So she she and Alan live right underneath uh, my partner and I, and um, she was saying that uh, the Utah might be opening back up again. Like Andrea is trying to get it together to open again, but I don't know. Good. You know, good luck. I mean, honestly, I do mean that you worked all through the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. And how, and you know, how was that? Like, how was working through a pandemic? Um, definitely like at first, um, it was a little scary, right? I, um, it was definitely a little scary at first. I feel like when I first started doing it at Rye, I was okay with it because I live, I live alone. Um, or at the time I lived alone and was able to kind of be like, to justify it in my head. Okay. My bubble is going to consist of my, the manager at Rye. Mm-hmm. And I also, uh, took some shifts at Wild Hawk as well when they started doing things again. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, these folks can just be my bubble people who I will see. And I'm very thankful for it because I think I would have gone a little crazy if I didn't have somewhere to go to talk to people. Other, you know, uh, It was nice to be able to, like I said earlier, see the community come out and support us. Like people buying cocktails with their... Uh, little EDD like (laughs) cards, you know, I'm like, and they're like, I don't have much, but I want to support you. And that's like really heartwarming and just shows how important this industry is to people. And not that we're all drunks or anything like that, you know, but people are like, Hey, I appreciate the art of like making it, having a fancy cocktail or like, you know, just the fact that I can come somewhere and like hang out and chat with folks like we're buddies, you know? Yeah, no, it's a social, it's the social aspect. It's definitely a watering hole, but it's the, it's a gathering hole too. Yeah. So. Yeah. And then how many times um, did you get tested for COVID while you were working? Oh, I was going every other week for a long period of time. And then after I got vaccinated, I stopped getting tested because they said that after you get your second dose, you don't have to be tested unless you have symptoms. But yeah, I would probably say every other week, sometimes every week, depending on if it was like I we had a really busy week or like, you know, I can be a hypochondriac. So sometimes I would just get a little worried. <laughs> but yeah, I tried to keep it. Um, actually, it's funny because my co-worker from Wild Talk and Rye. We um, work at both spots together. Uh, she's now the bar manager at Wild Talk. Uh, we would walk, we would like meet up and then we would walk over to the testing site and um, on 30, Pier 30 
And then we would get jello shots afterwards from high dive. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> but yeah. I did not know the high dive was doing jello shots. That yeah. is, that makes me happy. I'm, that makes me really happy. <laughs> and then the guy, when you ask what flavor they are, the guy's like vodka. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> what else would it be? <laughs> And yeah. then speaking, so speaking of Wild Hawk, is um, Marguerite, is that who is now managing? Or yeah, so Marguerite and Suzu are actually co-managing at uh, Wild Hawk, which is really awesome. I'm so stoked to see what they do at the place. Um, it's kind of like a passing of the torch, you know, um, the, the previous bar manager took a took a brand position and is kind of phasing out of like the bar, like bar industry and the like bartender bar manager sense and moving on to something that's like way better for her schedule and her life. And I'm really stoked that she's doing that. Um, Suzu Marguerite. And then they have pretty much a brand new staff. I think all of us, um, as we call ourselves old birds, um, (laughs) uh, we all phased out and, you know, Marguerite and Suzu were the two left and, I think that they're going to do really awesome creative stuff there, which is cool to see. Good, good for them. During the pandemic, you worked the whole time and you're getting tested. Um, how was the public? Like, were they masked? Did you have to like remind people? Were they shitty? You know, so about- most people, like especially during the early stages, were very respectful. I feel like people came up and they were like, "Oh, like excuse me," you know, like. Uh, but then as things started getting I guess more comfortable or people started being a little less scared, the masks would come down. And, you know, I I think that at a certain point people got more relaxed, especially if they were regulars or they came all the time, they felt more comfortable taking their masks down or even, you know, the week before the mask mandate lifted was probably the hardest week to have to keep telling our regulars at the Royale to keep their masks up when they're walking across the room, we were like, if you're standing by the pool table and playing pool, that's okay. You can have your mask down. But if you walk across the bar, please put your mask up. I also feel, and I mean, I don't mean to like step way out of bounds, but I feel like the mandates and stuff like that, a lot of it was like, Oh, here you go bars. Here's all these rules that you have to follow, but here's no like parameters on how to like go about telling people about these rules or how to like talk to, you know, there was no real like guidance it was just like, oh, here's all these rules. And if you want to be open, you have to follow them. And then some places like, you know, like the Amsterdam in, uh, do you know that bar? It's like a beer and wine bar. I thought it was near Polk Street. For it some is. Yeah. It's like Polk mm-hmm. and O'Farrell. Um, and they <laughs> were letting people inside. They were just like a party, like every freaking night. And um, people went because they wanted to be out. And I'm like, that's cool. But also like at a certain point, you see them getting in trouble, but then the in trouble is like a slap on the wrist. And it's like, Oh, here are all these other bars. And we're really trying to follow all of these rules. So we don't get caught up. And then other places like lucky 13 getting like completely just annihilated by the ABC, just like, or not ABC, CDC, whatever, whoever's coming in was checking them all the, Oh, you need to like do this. You need to do this. You need, and to the point where they were just like, we don't want to do this anymore. And they closed you know, yeah. and, that, and that's messed up that you, they target certain bars. Like 
nobody is, I mean, knock on wood, but like nobody's ever come into Rye while I was working there. Nobody ever came into Wild Talk while I was working there. Nobody ever came into Royale while I was working there. Oh, I take that back. Wild Talk one time. And it was literally just a guy warning us about Halloween. He said, hey, here are our Halloween rules. We were like, I was like, health inspector. Oh my God, what's going to happen? And then he was like, here's here's our rules. We're just going in and checking with all the Valencia street bars. And I was like, okay, good. Because I didn't want you to come back here. Um, I agree. That's, that's, that's bullshit. What they did to uh, Lucky 13. It sucks. It's yeah, it's unacceptable. And especially like in San Francisco, like I really feel for the most part, bars were trying to be, so, um, to, like you said, follow the rules. Obviously, there were exceptions, but like you go two hours into the Central Valley and nobody followed anything. Like, you know, I would go visit my mom and Modesto and nobody shut down. Nobody required anybody to wear a mask. If they wanted to, they did. It was, it was really only after Thanksgiving when like Central Valley kind of took it seriously. But before then, no one gave a shit. What? That's crazy. That's crazy. Especially oh, yeah. no one gave, no one gave a shit. Yeah. And I mean that was hard too, right? Um because once people get drunk, like I mean, speaking from Varsh perspective, once people get drunk, they get a little loose, right? Like mm-hmm. and then, you know, they start standing closer, masks come down. Like I've had like some really really drunk out of towners come in and I'm like, "Okay, you have to wear your mask." And I'm, you know, and I try to give them the rundown if you will and they are just totally not receptive and are like, well, why isn't everybody else wearing a mask? I'm like, well, that's because they are seated. If you listen to what I just said, (laughs) if you could, you could have your mask off once you're in a seat, but that's even a stupid rule because like you can't get COVID when you're sitting next to someone, but you can like, if you walk across, I don't know. I, I feel like a lot, especially like the rules about like a bona fide meal. Like, do you remember when all that came out? I don't know. If say, that, say that again. A bona fide meal. No. Okay. So there was this whole thing that uh, they came out with for bars slash restaurants reopening. You had to have a bona fide meal. Oh yes. Sorry. I do. So a bona fide meal is, is technically not a sandwich is not a slice of pizza and is not like a salad. And I'm like, half of the restaurants in San Francisco would be out of business if those weren't considered bona fide meals. It was, yeah, that was ridiculous. Yeah, no, it's very, it was very frustrating. I think, um, you know, you're dropping down all these rules. You're not giving any guidance and restaurants and bars. You're not helping. You're not helping. You know, we got zero help from the federal government, zero help from the state and zero help from the local into keeping these establishments open. I don't know, not hypocritical, but just, you know, like an assy thing to do. It's like, if you want people to comply, then let's work together and let's help each other stay open, Mm -hmm. which the government failed. Yeah. I definitely think that there was a lot of failure from like local government too. And, you know, like not to be too political, but I think that things could have been done in a better way. And also that, I don't know if it was a rumor, if it was true, but like how Gavin Newsom and, and London breed were seen at French laundry, maskless eating with a bunch of people. Did you hear? Oh, after Thanksgiving? Yes. Yes. That (laughs) assholes. Cool, bro. Like what? You're like, uh, I don't know. 
It's, I mean, I'm glad that we're coming out on the other side of things. I'm still wearing a mask behind the bar. Um, but I think it's more of like a personal decision. Like, I don't know, my, my partner's still wearing their mask and I'm kind of like, well, if we're going to just be a mask household, then I might as well just be a masked household. Cause yeah. When you need to do what's safe for you and what you're comfortable with. But it does feel weird, right? Because I'm the only person behind the bar wearing a mask. I'm the only person in the bar wearing a mask. My other coworkers have chosen not to wear masks. And it almost, it, it does feel a little bit uncomfortable um, sometimes with other people. As far as like uh, clientele, I feel like they're like, oh, well, why are you wearing a mask? Should I put my mask on? And I'm like, no, it's just a personal decision. And you can do whatever feels good for you. And I'm going to do whatever feels good for me. But we're now having to have those conversations, whereas like we never used to have those conversations and just navigating how to make sure everybody's still comfortable with me making their cocktail because they see that I'm in a mask. I don't want people to think that I'm like an anti-vaxxer or anything like that. You know, I just really enjoyed not being sick for a whole year. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Not to sound like a fuddy-duddy, but you know, it's, it's, the old cliche, it's better to be safe than sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I, yeah. And I want to keep everybody safe too, because I know that I know some people who are regulars at some of the bars that are anti-vaxxers and have like refused to get the vaccine. And I'm like pretty bummed about it. I'm like, dude, just get it. Like, and it, and I hate to be this way. Cause you know, it's definitely like stereotyping, but it's always like older fucking dudes. I'm like, just fucking get it. Like, just get the shot. Oh, it's going to hurt. Like, just get the shot. I don't know. I, that's been my experience. It's like all like older dude regulars who are like, I'm not going to get that shit. And I'm like, you were vaccinated your whole life. Exactly. Just get it. Believe in science. It's not a conspiracy. And probably um, the older white dudes, they get the flu shot every year. They have no yeah. problem with that. Why wouldn't you do this? I don't even know, dude. It, and it, it just seems so strange to me that this pandemic became so political. I'm like, it is about public health and safety. It's not politics. It's it's straight up, do you care if that person's grandma dies because you breathed on her. Like, you know, like, I don't know. There's just, there's this general like sense of just wanting to do what's best for the community, for the world, you know, like for, for at least my small like contribution, if it just means putting a piece of paper or like a piece of cloth over my face, like, or like getting a shot that might make me feel a little icky for like a day, but I'll be fine afterwards. Like, I don't know. It shouldn't be about like conservative or liberal. It should just be about the common good of all of us. Right. No, I agree 100%. Unfortunately, you know, Feb- January, February, March, 2020, we still had the tangerine nightmare in office and he did nothing to, you know, he did nothing except fuel this divide. about the pandemic, about science, about vaccination, about everything. And, you know, it's still obviously lingering, which is very, you know, very unfortunate that 
Yeah. We who are in the public and are working with the public could suffer some very strong repercussions concerning our health. Yeah. And, you know, I just, we don't know the long-term effects of COVID and people who aren't taking it seriously or who are like, oh, well, I had it and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, yeah, I understand that you had it and you didn't die, but you don't know if like 20 to 30 years down the line, if you're going to have like freaking lung cancer because of it, or you're, you know, like, like the, you might be healthy now and like cool now, but like, I don't know. We don't know. That's the thing. And, and I think that that's the scarier part is thinking about the long-term side effects and how that's going to affect us as we're getting older. No, eg- exactly. Just, yeah. Cause we, there's so much that is unknown and it's kind of like, we're in this, you know, wait and see period, you yeah. know, we're going to have to wait and see what our health is like in 10 years. And then now we're going to have to wait and see, you know, hopefully San Francisco or isn't going to slide back into like a red tier or an orange tier. You know, we as a city are 80% vaccinated, which is awesome and great. Yeah. But we get a lot of tourism. Precisely. Precisely. Like half the people that were in the bar last night were definitely tourists from out of town. And they're all nice and stuff. I, but I'm not trying to have a vaccination conversation with someone that I don't know their politics. Right. You're just trying to do your job and make sure everyone's safe. And yeah. it's a very basic concept, I think. Um, but when people are just not on the same page, they're not on the same page. And it's really frustrating. And I also think that it's frustrating when like, you know, now that everything's lifted, now it's like up to the bars to decide how to how to handle like vaccinated people versus not vaccinated people and the mask. Because technically, like if you what it said is like, if you are vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask any longer. But mm-hmm. if you are not ma- if you are not vac- vaccinated, you still have to wear your mask. So I know certain places like Eli's out in Oakland, they're making you bring your vaccination card and they'll like take a picture of it and log your like identity and stuff. And like, you won't have to show it every time, but the first time you go there, you have to show your vaccination card to be able to come inside. And I'm like, that's like not a bad idea. Yeah. But then it would also ostracize so many people. And and everyone's going to like throw a fit about that because they've been discriminated against. Oh my God. Yeah. I know what, what a nightmare. What a nightmare. Um, Speaking of things that are political or not political, um, just to go back to the Gavin Newsom and the London breed thing. um, Gavin actually did apologize for Mm -hmm. going to Yountville to the French laundry. You know, if I'm being completely honest, like, and not to be super political, I did not vote for London breed. I was, she was like, no, God, thumbs fucking down on that that one no I was not stoked on her I don't know why she won I wanted Jane Kim or Mark Leno to win um I think that either of them would have done a better job handling this situation yes then and like then she did and I you know like I live in the tenderloin I've lived in the tenderloin through this whole thing and from before that and like the streets are like covered in human shit Everywhere you go, there's just human feces. There's like, and like both the bars I work at are in the Tenderloin and it's messed up. Like I, I almost, some lady tried to hit me with a crowbar last week. I was a cry 
and she was digging through one of our planters and I was like, excuse me, like very nicely. Like, Hey, do you mind moving on like down the road? And she's like, what'd you say to me, you bitch? And like comes at me. And thankfully Rye has that gate and I like close it shut really fast. And she like hits the gate. It's like, ah! and like, I am like, we need, you know, like first off shooken up and very glad that Rye has that gate. Like, so, yes. um, but like, what are you doing to help us? Like all these bars and all these restaurants in this area and all the, all the working class people who live in this neighborhood because it's affordable, like pretty much this entire neighborhood is like folks who just moved to San Francisco and like industry folks, like bar and restaurant people. And it is just horrendous to see that like her answer was, um, to create like tent city down by the Asian art museum. They just like gated off a place and they're like, you can just put your tents up here. And I'm like, that's not going to work. That's not going to freaking work. And you know, I lived at Eddie and Larkin and people were tying their tents to the bars on the first, uh, first level windows. Oh yeah. my gosh. I had to like, I had to be like, excuse me, people, can you move? I'm trying to get out of my apartment. And it's like during pandemic, right? It was, it was just nuts, dude. Um, and I, I definitely have a lot of like love for this neighborhood. I really like, I feel like it's the last little bit of San Francisco left. You usually know your neighbors. You are, you're friendly with people. Like you see people walking down the street, you say, hello, you say, what's up. And you know, it, uh, it really is hard to watch just all this like craziness happened here and nobody doing anything about it. And I know Matt Haney, who's our district supervisor, he tries to do a lot, but he, you know, he's only one person. He would really need like the mayor to be like on his side if he wanted to get anything done. And I don't think she is. I think that she's not on his side at all. She's, yeah. she's, she's not. Um, during the pandemic, my city supervisor, who is Dean Preston, was he held a lot of Zoom meetings so any constituents in district five could pop in and uh, I'm glad I did. And he held them pretty consistently uh, throughout all of the summer and into the fall. Mm-hmm. And, you know, listening to him talk about his frustration with London breed, um, talk about what he and the fellow supervisors tried to do and did get accomplished. And then she squashed so much of that was absolutely maddening, you know, San Francisco had 35,000 empty hotel rooms and of April, 2020, they were supposed to be, you know, shelter in place hotels. And she did not let that happen. Yeah. She did not let that happen. So she chose to let people live in the street and make up tent cities when 12 supervisors voted unanimously to get these people into shelter in place hotels to help them. And she refused. Yeah. I mean, I know a couple, so I know some folks who worked in homeless outreach during the the pandemic and their job, his job was basically like going to uh, like going up to people and being like, Hey, we have these hotels. Like, can we like, do you want to stay here? Do you want to stay here? So the Adante down here on Geary, one of our like regular homeless dudes from pre pandemic, he now lives there and he's, he looks way better, dude. He, he's showering. He looks healthier. He still is 
a little annoying, but he's like way less, he's in way better shape. I will say, I will also say to the like folks in homeless outreach, thank you so much for what you do, but like, precisely, there are not enough people and there's not enough money in that. And we need funding for that. And I'm, it like really breaks my heart to, I don't know. I feel like there's a, there's a switch that happens when you've been in this neighborhood for so long and you have to have your guard up all the time. And especially at the bar I had like, you know, with that woman with a crowbar and then same, the, this past week I had some dude who was just filthy covered in his own shit, trying to walk in the bar and I'm there rolling quarters because I'm like, you know, it's not, I'm not even open yet. I'm like right. doing manager stuff. And he's like trying to come in. I'm like, we're not open. And then he got pissed off and he just like stood on the other side and like looked at me. And I'm like, what do you want from me? I like locked the door and stuff. And I was like, I don't know. I'm just trying to sit in this bar with like the door opens cause it's hot as shit right now. And I, and then he tries to come back later and I'm just like, okay, I know it's not like, I don't want to be mean to you, but I'm also like, you can't come in here. You're clearly mentally ill or on a lot of drugs or both. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I have to freaking put the hammer down and be like, hey, no, you can't be in here. You're not wearing shoes. You're not wearing a shirt. You're covered in poop. Like, no, <laughs> you can't. Yeah. This, this can't happen. <laughs> you know? And also, I mean, yeah. How is it that like, I will just, the last bit on this, I will say, how is it that as a bartender, I can deescalate a situation when like people who are trained to deescalate situations in the police cannot do it. It's it's just insane to me. Like our whole job is de-escalation and, and you know, I don't know. A bit, yeah. A big part of it is because then I like, if I ever had, like there was some dude with a knife at the, in the parklet at the Royale and we called the cops and like, basically they didn't do anything. And I'm like, okay, cool. Because especially because, okay. Post street street is mm-hmm. technically in lower knob hill district not in the tenderloin district which is really frustrating because the lower knob hill district is the same as um like like north beach and like way further up so the police station is super far away when the other police station's right down here yes. i'm like can you just bump it up two more blocks like is is the tenderloin district that uh, I don't know can we just make it a little bit larger so we can have more assistance because it's one block up from Geary you know it's not like and the police station's over on Eddie so I don't know I it It makes no sense it makes no sense makes no sense (laughs) (laughs) absolutely no sense yeah because if I work at Rye I have to call the Tenderloin police station and if I work at the Royale which is one block up I have to call the like lower Knob Hill police station or the Knob Hill district police station, which is way further up on like, it's like Washington or something like that. Yeah. I mean, that's probably a whole entire other podcast is a uh, policing in San Francisco. Oh my gosh. I know. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, just specifically for the bar industry, like I think that we really like take care of our own and we, like try to make sure that we're creating a safe space for all of our guests who are in the bar and as well as like for like our neighborhood around us. Like, I, you know, that guy, Walter, who I was talking about, who got into the Dante, he would come by and we give him our like, spent oranges. He's like, can I have an orange? And we're like, yeah, dude, like here, you know, because we're a part of the neighborhood. We're a part of the community and we try to like help people out, but there's just not enough help. You know, there's not enough people to help the situation. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely, definitely challenging. Um, 
that's another frustration, frustrating thing I have about London Breed is that through this pandemic, I feel she really had a chance to be a leader and she really had a chance to show, to be an example of like what we do and how we take care of people. And she fucking failed. Yeah. She fucking failed. Yeah. She, yeah, did not do a good job as like leading in general and then also leading by example. Clearly, she didn't even follow it. Like, and I know she's getting a lot of flack for everything, but good. Exactly. She do better. Like, you know, she's, she's the mayor now. And like, I'm, you know, I don't know when the next election is going to be or if there will be one, but I don't think that she will be back in that position next time around because just clearly through this, she showed a complete lack of leadership. And I don't even know why she wanted the job if she didn't want to do the, she's like, I don't know if you remember this, but she had said, I'm just going to wait to do reopening because I don't want to be a backup on this podium again. And I'm like, your whole job is to be on that podium. I'm sorry. Like, what do you just not want to do your job? Because maybe you can just step down then and let someone else who wants to do your job, do your job. Cause that's your job to be on that podium and tell us what to do. Yeah. <laughs> I just had a big here. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, well, speaking of, um, speaking of pre pre COVID, um, let's go, let's go there. Let's go back to pre COVID. Anything um, stand out to you about the years of 2016 to 2020 working in bars? Uh, those were definitely the years of the hustle for me. I, I moved through a lot of different bars in those years. Um, I It was the years that I was learning how to do the craft cocktail thing. It was, you know, uh, 2016, I went from working at a hotel bar to working at Wild Hawk in 2017, uh, 2017. Yeah. And, um, that was a big shift. It was really awesome. I feel like the bar scene was just incredibly booming. It was so hard to get a job. You had to know someone to get in somewhere. You had to like outbeat all these dudes. And I like, hate to bring it back to that, but it was always like, you know, all these dudes with mustaches, like, you know, it was just like a bar full, like all the bartenders were dudes with long hair and mustaches. And I was like, Oh my God. God, it was like cookie cutter bartender 101. It's just like an assembly line. Yeah. And so, yeah, <laughs> it was an aesthetic at a time, but oh, it was so bad. With you know. um, marginal tattoos that usually yeah. sucked. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, you know, that's a look. That's That gets someone laid. You know, that look gets someone laid for sure. It but obviously did because there were enough <laughs> of them. They used to piss me off when I tried to order a drink. Oh my God. Yeah. So, I mean, it was definitely like freaking go getter. It was, uh, I want to say that those were probably the most fun years, right? Like, I, I mean, in comparison to this last year where it was just like, what do we do? But, um, I, yeah, look back on those times fondly. I remember new year's was my fate. New year's Eve is like my favorite day to work in, in bars. It's just, I know everybody's like, oh, it's amateur night, but it's so much fun. Everybody's stoked to be out. They're like, new year, new me. I'm going to start it hungover, you know, like just falls to the walls. And like, you always like had a good time. Nobody was upset, you know, for the most part, nobody was upset. 
for the most part, it was like all friends and they're all like, oh, I want to spend my night here with y'all because we love this bar. And they were just, you know, good vibes. And I'm really hoping that next New Year's we'll be able to do that again because I I miss that, you know, and, and just working so hard. Like, I can't tell, like, Wild Talk, I got my ass kicked so every Saturday. Every Saturday, I was just completely annihilated. Like, I have a bar full of people in front of me. I'm doing all the tickets for the whole rest of the bar. It was like seven tickets with like five cocktails each on them. And I'm still trying to serve the people in front of me. Like it was rough, but you know, yeah, some good times. I look back and I'm like, ah, will we ever get back there? <laughs> right. Exactly. That's a, that's a very, very good question. Yeah. Um, do you see, or have you noticed, um, any like more females behind the bar? Definitely. So Wild Talk was pretty like much all like female staffed except for, well, I'm, I identify as non-binary and then my coworker, Suzu is a gay, gay man. Um, and so we were the only two who weren't like female bartenders at that bar, which was really cool. And definitely at the Royale, I'm looking, I'm currently still looking. So bartenders who listen to this, please contact me or Tracy. <laughs> and, I'll send them your way. I'll send them yeah, your, your way. way. Because uh, we did just get one really rad, awesome female bartender at the Royale. And then um, I am probably going to be training one other person who has some, co- some knowledge, but isn't like, she knows how to bartend, but not like do all the cocktails and stuff. So, um, so it, it's cool to like see that. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I want to get more like female bartenders out there, but also exciting. Speaking of female bartenders, speed rack is coming back. I don't know if you know. Yeah. Yes. Uh Right. Are you going to compete? Yes. Yeah. I am going to do that. Um, I have been a part of it for the last two years. I volunteered and did some behind the scenes stuff, which was really cool. And this year I'm like, you know what, let's do it. Um, being non-binary and I like asked them like, is it cool? Like, I don't know how that works. And they're like, yeah. So I'm just going to go into it with like hoping that it it is okay with everybody. So cool. Yeah. No, where are they going to have it? Or has that even been discussed? I'm not sure yet. I think that's still up in the air. I feel like, so the last couple of years they did it at a space called gray area. It's in the mission on, um, on mission street in the mission, uh, Uh, It's like between 22nd and 23rd, I believe. There's like a coffee shop in front of it, but it's just just a big venue space. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. So it'll be cool to see like what that's like, because I've never done a speed competition before. So, Oh, Um, that's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah. you'll do great. So as the bar manager, you just said that you um, are trying to get more females behind the bar. That's great. What else do you hope to accomplish as a bar manager? I mean, honestly, so this is... um, this is my first like full like bar manager position and I really want to learn the ropes and, you know, I know that it's like doing the ordering and like, you know, making the menu and, but, you know, I, I feel like there's a lot in that title that I don't know about yet. So just kind of like seeing what that's like and being, I feel very fortunate to be able to work directly with the owner. So he's just as passionate about this bar as I am. So And I don't, and there's not a lot, like, there's not a lot of like 
HR, you know, we are the HR, you know, there's like, it's just us, you know, it's just me and him. And so I get a lot of freedom to do a lot of stuff, which is really cool. So I am setting up happy hours, um, with different brands. Like I have, um, uh, a, a monthly event with angels envy, uh, which is a bourbon and then tequila ocho. And I really just, you know, I want to do a bunch of fun and happy hours. I want to make this a space for like where industry people want to come because we're kind of not on the industry map right now. We were, uh, before I started working there, they were very much just a regulars bar, which we still are. We're definitely still like a, so supported by our regulars and like, you know, the music scene, like having the live jazz, people come out for that, you know, and I am like, yes, let's keep those things, but also add in this touch of like having industry people be like, Oh, we know the Royale. It's, it's super cool. And you know, those are kind of like the, the goals that I have currently, they change every week though. And I also realized that it takes like three weeks to get anything done. So (laughs) that's, that's real. (laughs) Anybody who wants to be a bar manager has to realize that no matter how much you have your shit together, everybody else doesn't. And so it's just going to take at least three weeks to do anything. That's a good outlook. Um, I love to ask this question. It's my favorite question to ask. Um, what is your pet peeve when you're working behind the bar? Your number one pet peeve? I feel like COVID changed them. You know, like we had the specific ones like, oh, I don't want to make a Long Island or like, oh, like what's your favorite? I, I That's one that came back. Fuck. Okay. So that happened last night. And I was, and then I was telling people what my favorite was. And I was like, dude, you're a dumbass. What are you doing? Go back to your, cause like, that question, it's like, I'm going to, I like what I like. I like martinis. I like beers and shots. I like fucking tiki drinks. You know, those are like my go-to things that I want to drink. A lot of people aren't into those things. So you have to like redirect that question. Well, what do you like? You know, because I'm going to list everything that I like. And then they're just like, "Mm, I don't know. And I'm like, just tell me what you're looking for. So I guess that was like one of my pet peeves that's come, that's coming back. Um, a funny one was at wild talk on Saturdays. Uh, there used to be this, we called it fart hour. And like, it was just like, so bad. It was like, everybody went to their fancy dinners and then came to the bar and are just ripping at the whole place. Smelled like farts. It was so bad. And I was right by the bathroom because I was in the service well. So I'd be hit with it. I was just like, Oh my God, someone is literally standing in front of my well, ripping ass. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I must have missed that because I would go see you on Saturdays a lot and I yeah. didn't notice that. So I guess maybe I just got in after. You got in after, after for sure. After that. It was around like nine o'clock. Okay. Yeah. Like I was in there a lot later. Nine and 10. And it was just so gnarly. I was like, oh my God, do people realize I'm just trapped here? <laughs> like go outside. Fuck. <laughs> oh <my> God. <laughs> so that was definitely one of them. <laughs> A funnier one, I guess. Yeah, I think that uh, the mask, having the mask mandate lifted and me not having to remind people to put their mask on, one of my pet peeves that died. So I'm, I'm glad that that one's gone forever. Yes, I could, I could see that. And now that San Francisco is open, opening and opened back up, what do you, um, what do you wish for San Francisco nightlife? I hope that we can get back to a place where, and I'm sure we will, and I'll just take a little bit of time, but where people like 
are stoked to come to this cocktail scene. Like San Francisco paved the way in cocktails. Like you can go to any other city and yeah, they might have one or two bars that are doing like a fancy cocktail menu, but here, like it is really rad, the creativity and just the quality of bartender that comes out of San Francisco. I think that a lot of places need to recognize like, it's not about like us being stuck up or like the star tender culture. It's about like taking pride in what you do. And I think that that's something that I definitely want to see bars and bartenders like be able to like revel in and be proud of themselves and be like, you know, get freaking best bar and like, you know, whatever magazine get like mentioned, like be stoked on the fact that like you put so much work in and people are coming for that menu. They're like, Oh, I heard that this cocktail was on your menu and I want to try it. Like, you know, so I hope that that culture is going to come back and having, having just like cool stuff, like, setting stuff on fire and like, you know, crazy looking ice. Like, I just want that creativity to like keep happening and people to be able to like come here and know that they're going to get a really awesome drink, no matter what bar they go to. No. And great, and great service for sure. I had one uh, customer come in yesterday or Thursday, sorry, who was, uh, they are, were in from uh, Arizona, somewhere in Arizona and they're saying that they got really bad service at every place that they went. And I was like, so bummed. I was like, no dude. And I like gave them a whole list. Like, Oh, that's one of my favorite things to do is tell people where to go eat. Like San Francisco has some of the best food yes. ever. Just the And like, I always tell people to go to Lolinda. Like I love that spot so much. Did they mention what places they had gone to? Did, where was it? I don't, I, it, it was places I never heard of, uh-huh. which was one thing that I thought was weird. Cause I, I eat out a lot. And I know a lot of like the places, but I mean, that's the other thing, San Francisco, there's such a turnover that's happening right now in small businesses because of so many places closing. I think that we're going to be seeing a lot more like new restaurants come. And I hope that the people that come in are going to be able to like, you know, yeah, make it and like have business and stuff. And also, you know, another thing about Arizona, they didn't shut down either. Oh, they didn't? No. Uh uh-uh. uh. They didn't shut down and a mask mandate came in way, 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 way late. Yeah. So I don't really, it bothers me that people can't understand that, yes, yeah, San Francisco opened, but these servers, these chefs, these bartenders, these managers, these baristas, they've probably had three days on the job. Nothing's going to be perfect. Calm the fuck down. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you can't realize that, shut up. You're getting pissed because people have been on a job for three days. That kitchen probably doesn't have half of what they're supposed to have. You know, they there's probably two people back there when there should be five. There's, mm-hmm. you know, trying to make your food. Shut up. You know, you don't, you can't understand that. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like I've been very fortunate during this whole pandemic. Like there have been some people who have been like not as cool, but for the most part, like, I feel like customers that have come to the bars that I was at for the most part, I will say again, have been really great. Uh, there were, yeah, there's always a couple like, you know, spoiled apples in the bushel or whatever, but I haven't had too many people be, um, super impatient. Um, I haven't had too many people be 
angry about me asking them to put their mask on. It's mostly like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, I forgot. You know, so I, I feel very fortunate in that because I'm I'm sure that that's not been everybody's experience. Like I couldn't imagine being a bartender in North Beach through this whole thing or in the marina. Oh God. I feel like that would be very hard just because those places, even though they're in San Francisco, they practically didn't shut down. Like, I don't know how they did it. Yeah. Those frat boys, they, they need, you know, their crappy beer Yeah, all the time. Yeah. I'm glad that those businesses could stay alive, but you know, having to remind those folks and having them push back, you know, yeah. And, and when people do push back, I think that a lot of it was okay because we were able to be like, oh, hey, like, this is just the law. I'm sorry. Like, this is just what the rules that we have to follow in order to be open. And once you put it that way, people are like, oh, well, it's not you telling me to do this thing. It's the rules. And then we can bitch about how the rules are stupid. And yeah, please do that. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> That's you know, so- I think to a certain extent, I think they're dumb too. Do I think that it was necessary that we stayed closed as long as we did? Yes, I do. Because we're a giant. Well, we're, we're big city packed into a tiny city. We are seven by seven miles. So like, if you get, if we like packed back in and like, didn't close down, like we are like death rate would have been way higher because just the sheer number of people who are stacked on top of each other, you know, we are so small, but if people were packing back in bars, all of our bars for the most part are smaller than bars than other places that have more room, you know, like just like the square footage of the actual bar is smaller. I think we did what was necessary. Did I like it particularly? No, because I love bartending and I love having a room full of people, but I think that we went about it in a smart way. I'm glad to not be in Texas or Florida. Oh God. Oh my God. (laughs) Did you hear that the mask mandate is, so not only is there no mask mandate in Texas, but it is now illegal to wear a mask in Texas. Um, I knew the first thing what you said. I didn't know the second thing, but that doesn't surprise me at all. That's right. Insane. What if someone is sick and they just want to wear a mask? Like, I don't know. Like, that's crazy. What if you're, what if you are dressing up for early Halloween? Yeah. What about what that? What if you want to be a doctor or a surgeon for Halloween? What about doctors and surgeons? Are they allowed to wear masks? Because if they don't, then everybody who goes in for surgery is going to die. Yeah. They're, you're super fucked. If your surgeon can't wear a mask. I don't working on your open heart surgery. Oh my God. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Texas. Why do you exist? God, why do you exist? And like, I I know that not everybody from there or who lives there is bad, but like just their mayor, man, like, I don't know what he thinks is going on, but. Oh, their governor is just atrocious. He's just, he's, he's he's like straight up bananas. dude. But yeah, I agree. I mean, not everyone from Texas. You can't write, you can't write them all off. I have a few yeah. friends that, that live there um, that somehow they survived. So knock on wood. And I heard the music scene out there is pretty cool too. So, oh. okay. And then what do you, what do you want people to know about bartenders? I think I want people to know like bartending's fucking hard, dude. Like it is hard and it is you are, I, so this whole week, every shift I've worked, I've been on my feet for 10 to 11 to 12 hours. And also, you know, I, yeah, I mean, we're people and we struggle with, you know, not everybody, but we struggle with mental health stuff. We struggle with like our own personal shit and we tried our best to be, um, 
the best we can be at work. But, you know, if someone treats you not the way you want to be treated, I always say like, hey, maybe it's not about you. I th- That being said, I try to treat people as best as I can, like every time I am behind the bar. But yeah, just, you know, we, we uh, didn't really know how to handle COVID. And now we're still figuring out how to come out of COVID. So just be patient with us and, and, you know, be nice. And I also, you know, I also want people to know that like, this is definitely like a creative outlet. Like bartending is not just like, you know, like, oh, I'm going to stand behind a bar and like, not like, I'm just so cool and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's definitely like, oh, there, there's a way to do this where it's like artwork, you know? And, um, specifically, I know you talked with Suzu. Suzu is one of the most talented bartenders that I've been able to work with. He's definitely, as far as like creativity goes, like all his cocktails are gorgeous. Even being able to work behind the bar with him, like he just bartends so beautifully. You know, like watching him is like watching art happen. It's like gorgeous. Like I I love him so much. Um, I agree. I agree. I, I told him that to him one night when I was in there. It's like yeah. watching, watching him. Cause he's so graceful. Yeah. Everyone glides, he glides around the bar and yeah. yes. And I think for me, because I am the exact opposite. So I'm always amazed when somebody is like so graceful behind the bar and not just like bouncing off of everything and stomping and stepping <laughs> over and getting my hand caught, you know, like. I definitely feel that. Yeah. Yesterday my bar towel got caught on like one of the drawers and I almost ate shit. Like, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> so I'm not graceful. Like spilled a cocktail in the well, you know, it's, it's, it's fine. <laughs> um, but you know, yeah, I, 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 uh, I, I definitely love this industry. I, I love like the fact that, you know, we have like so much, like if you find out that someone's in the bar industry and they come in like, and you're, you know, then you guys get to talk shop for a little bit. Everybody always takes care of each other. Like, oh, hey, let's do a cheeky or, you know, and, and like, I, I will also say that um, for like bartenders who don't drink, that's like awesome. Like, I think that all the bars that I worked at or I work at now are like really rad in uh, the sense that it's like, oh, hey, let's do a cheeky. And then someone's like, oh, I'm not drinking. So they'll do a shot of like orange juice or like a seltzer or something like, you know. Yeah. And, it, it's it's possible to be a bartender without drinking behind the bar. It is. Yeah, yeah. it is. It, it can happen. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little harder, but now I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, cool. And thank you so much. That was an awesome interview. I loved it. All right. Well, thank you for doing this. I I I really enjoyed it. I'm so I hope I didn't get too far off topic on things. You can say whatever you want. That you can say whatever oh. you want. I think I'm going to rename this podcast to a uh, bartender confession hour. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, it did feel like, you know, well, good to talk about it too, like especially like specifically talk about it where it's like, oh, we're taking this time to actually talk about all the things that we went through this past year because it is it was pretty traumatic. It's, yeah, it's very dramatic. So yes, I'm I'm obviously, you know, happy we made it. Yeah. And there you have it. I'm not really going to say a lot about Chris's interview because it is head on the nail. I don't have a lot to add to that. I mean, wow. Thank you, Chris, for sharing what it's like to live and work in the Tenderloin. And thank you for doing your job during a pandemic. 
And thank you for addressing some of the frustrations we as San Franciscans have with our local government. So I do have a correction to make regarding my comments about London Breed and her refusal to place unhoused people in shelter-in-place hotels. She did place people in hotels. However, on April 14th of 2020, an ordinance stipulated that the city would procure 8,250 empty hotel rooms and use most of them to shelter the city's unhoused residents. That is what she pretty much ignored and dragged her feet on, allowing people to live on the streets during a pandemic. London Breed, what can I say except you suck? But I would like to thank the city supervisors who tried to work with London Breed during the pandemic and are still fighting with her to make her do her job, which is to care for and protect all San Franciscans. Thanks, guys. And thanks for listening to Booze Nation, the podcast. Next week, my guest is chef owner Trish Tracy, and we talk about what it was like running a restaurant during a pandemic. You can find Booze Nation, the podcast, on Apple Music. And please remember, tip your bartenders. Thanks. Thanks.